1: good evening and welcome to another edition of today with dr wendy today is the official day after new year's day and my co-host larry dersham and i are delighted to be spending it with you we would love to know what your favorite new year's resolutions are going to be this year because let's face it this is a year like no other I'm willing to bet that there is a theme perhaps that is running rampant this year that we haven't seen before. What do we normally do January 1st? There's this common theme of deprivation, thou shalt not. I don't know a lot of people that are in the mood for a thou shalt not list this year. I have a feeling that many of us are planning to add, not subtract to indulge not to abstain in order to make up for time lost in 2020. So if you are not in the mood to give up all of your favorite foods and drinks and exercise routines or lack thereof, I have a feeling you are in good company. So let's maybe focus a little more on how we might uniquely tailor those 2021 resolutions to maybe make up for what we missed in 2020. And I'll give you a couple of suggestions that I have been tossing around and that I've written about in my Psychology Today column. Uh, Because specific goals predict success, not I'm gonna be healthier, I'm gonna drink less, I'm gonna exercise more. I mean, those are our goals every day, let's face it. But maybe we can think of a couple of things that we maybe let go by the wayside in 2020, not because we didn't wanna do them, but because we were focused on staying healthy, keeping our jobs and everything else that we struggled with. So I have four of them for you. The first one is health, but I mean it in a a little bit different sense. Many people skipped all of their routine medical appointments in 2020, all their unnecessary procedures because they were afraid of getting COVID. Now, why might they do it now? Well, even if they're not yet vaccinated or even necessarily on the list, think about COVID protocols and how far we've come between now and the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, we are masked, gloved, sanitized, socially distanced. You go into a store, it's a sea of plexiglass. We know a lot more about how to protect ourselves and our own health than ever before. So it's probably safer at least to take care of our own health so that we can help others. Just like they say when the oxygen masks come down in an airplane, take care of yourself so you'll be able to take care of other people. So following on the heels of health, of course, is wealth. Now, it's true, we saved a lot of money, didn't we? We didn't dine out, we didn't shop, or at least we didn't crawl through the mall looking for something to buy out of boredom. We didn't even buy gas, many of us who had the privilege and who were lucky enough to be able to telework. Now, the other side of that coin, of course, is that many people have been fired or furloughed. Due to pandemic closures, or they have jobs they just can't do remotely. So, this year, maybe a resolution is to focus on finances, whether it is planning specific short term steps or smart fiscal strategy. If you have money to invest, maybe you have a surplus. Lucky you if that's true. So, now here's the third one. You saw this one coming happiness. So, we've got health, wealth, and happiness. Boost your New Year's mood by planning pleasure. What a concept. And what I mean by that is it can be as easy as scheduling quality time with your family. One thing the research has consistently shown along these lines are just having something on the horizon to look forward to that makes you smile. Whether or not you are anywhere near actually carrying it out gives us hope and gives us something to be happy about. And then of course the fourth one is kindness. That should be a resolution every year resolving to follow the golden rule by treating others the way you want to be treated. Here's the beauty of that. Let's say, God forbid, you were furloughed or did lose money. This one is free and provides an exponential return on your investment. Try it for a week, make that your New Year's resolution and see if that isn't one that you want to keep. So focusing on a year to add, not subtract, focusing on goals that are both specific and special. We may actually this year, unlike years past, Be encouraged and inspired to fulfill, for once, our New Year's resolution. Now, Larry, I know you probably have some of your own, and I'm willing to bet some of yours might revolve around some freedoms that we lost in 2020. What do you think?
2: Uh, Sure, Wendy. Uh, I guess I've been thinking a lot about maybe not resolutions, New Year's resolutions, but how about New Year revolution? (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice but uh so i've been thinking a lot about as many people have the georgia runoff election uh, update and of course that's going to be on january 5th that's this coming tuesday i mean it is right up there hard to believe and i know there's a lot of people knocking on doors down there uh, i even i've been asked uh, you know through social media uh, friends to come down there and so forth we weren't able to get away and so forth but uh, it's really big because why is this so big? Georgia, for goodness sakes, that's on, on the East Coast. We're on the West Coast. Well, it's because whoever wins these runoff elections will control uh, the Senate. Now, already the House is controlled by the Democrats. And if the Democrats win these two runoff election seats, they will control the Senate. And if perchance Joe Biden becomes our president, they will control the executive branch. They will control the legislative branch. Now, they control a lot of the, the, the federal courts. Well, not all of them. As we know, the Supreme Court now has a, a majority of conservative uh, justices and so forth. But just a little bit here. Kelly Loeffler, she's the Republican incumbent versus Reverend Ralph uh, Raphael Warnock. Okay, here's, here's what Warnock believes. Unrestricted abortion. He says it's a human right. Military service, he said, you can't serve God in the military, too. And his own wife has accused him of being incredibly, well, abusive, I'll say. Uh, And you can pick that up on the social media where she's even actually talking about his behavior. Uh, He also was the head of a church camp where there was alleged child abuse, and he blocked it and was even arrested for thwarting the investigation into that church camp. He's praised communist dictator Fidel Castro and 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 so on and so so on. OK, so that's Kelly Loeffler, the Republican versus uh, Mr. Warnock, the Democrat. On the Isn't other it way,
1: also expensive, Larry? I know one thing you and I have talked about offline is the inordinate amount of money that's being thrown at this particular campaign. First of all, is that true? And secondly, why so much money?
2: Exactly. And uh and the final one, just really quickly, Purdue David Perdue, the incumbent Republican versus John Ossoff. The only thing I've been able to find on him, he's a very young guy in his 30s, but he's taken some money for his film company. He makes documentary films uh, from a uh, uh, a bank that has direct connections to the Communist Chinese Party. So just be that as it may. But this, to answer your question, Wendy, is the most expensive Senate race history in U.S. history, the most expensive ever. They are spending millions and millions of dollars because this is the control of the Senate. And if there is control of the Senate by one party, just imagine what could be done in a negative way, in my view, a totally negative way. And I wouldn't want that to happen. And
1: isn't it interesting, Larry, that this will occur, talk about the control of the Senate and everything that's riding on this very high stakes, expensive two elections, the very next day, We've got January 6th, where people are absolutely out of their minds predicting what's going to happen, who's going to object. I mean, Mike Pence himself was sued this week. What are we going to expect there?
2: That's going to be huge. And that's the following day. That's January 6th, which is Wednesday. And, you know, even 30% of the Democrats even acknowledged that there has been voter fraud has occurred, which is amazing. And uh, I know there's the thing about the Dominion voting systems. There's all kinds of things about ballot stuffing and so forth and so on. But I think that the main thing here is that it's actually based in the Constitution. It's the election clause, Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1, that says... Voting laws in the states can only be changed by the legislatures. And there's at least four states, and these are all the battleground states, where they literally, in some cases, it was the Board of Electors. In other cases, it was the courts that changed election laws just before the election in violation of the Constitution of the United States. Now, that's what really concerns me, because the U.S. Supreme Court, refuse to take that case. But I think that is going to be the basis. We all know there's all kinds of fraud and we've seen videos of it and so forth. But I think the biggie, the big one, is that a number of states, at least four, is that they violated the U.S. Constitution. And I cannot imagine why the U.S. Supreme Court would not pick that up. I mean, that's the... because duty.
1: they didn't, because they didn't, do you think that the legislators will pick it up on January 6th? I mean, after all, it's about ensuring the right thing is done, ensuring legal, and Ill- legal votes are counted, illegal votes aren't. Do you think there are enough representatives, senators, enough people that will be present at this joint resolution meeting on January the 6th to actually move the ball forward in terms of protesting, at least to to where there's enough to have a debate, the Electoral College results in any state.
2: Yeah, absolutely there is. And in fact, if these four battleground states, uh, they take away those electors because of all the abuses of the Constitution and so forth, that would put Biden below the 270 magic number. Yes, it
1: would, because one of them is Pennsylvania. Absolutely.
2: Exactly. And so there's a number of senators, Republican senators, and a much more uh, large amount of uh, House of Representatives Republicans that are going to contest this. This is going to be something to watch, folks on uh, Wednesday, January 6th. And I think because Republicans have more state delegations than these uh, Democrats, even though the Democrats have more, technically, more representatives in the House of Representatives, we can still win this thing. And uh, Okay, each, we're going yeah, Go ahead.
1: That, that is a wonderful way to wrap that segment because on the other side of the break, we are going to do the silver lining portion of our show. We'll be talking about new laws and maybe one of those new laws will have to do with something that's going to go on January 6th. I don't know. You're going to have to stay with us to find out. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash. Don't touch that dial.
0: News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.
2: Okay, we got a minute or two. We're, we're not on, right? Okay. Great yeah. job, Wendy, with, with those, uh, those passes, those segues, those handovers. Yeah, that
1: was fun. <laughs> hey, I wonder if there is a new law that has something to do with what's going to go on on January 6th.
2: I, have I heard, mean... Have you heard of one?
1: Well, I was thinking when I said it of the move made by the Republicans suing Mike Pence to try to declare that he has the authority. And that was thrown
2: out, right? You know, that was thrown out. Was it thrown out yesterday? Yeah, yeah, it didn't succeed. Because he he had
1: to file by 5 p.m. and he did. And then I talked about it on a Wednesday. So did, did it get thrown out on Thursday?
2: It probably did. It was a again, it was a court that threw it out. It was that uh, gentleman from Texas that introduced it. A Gomer Louis Gomer introduced this law, and, and
1: on behalf of the Republicans, uh,
2: exactly. And okay, it, so here's here's
1: what I'll say. Then I won't talk about anything specific, but I'll use that as a springboard sure. to talk about how new laws are made and why we have to um, keep an eye on it. And then I'll and then I'll uh, segue to. California's new laws, and then we'll go into R3. How's that sound?
2: Sounds perfect. I can't believe how fast that first segment went. I mean, it's, it's gone. I thought
1: it actually, I, I was actually thinking it seemed like it was long. Isn't that it, funny about perception? It is, <laughs>
2: yeah. That's the sub- subjectivity of time, I guess, right?
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, okay, well, I'm ready whenever the two of you are.
0: It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more today with Dr. Wendy. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick.
1: Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Well, we spent the first half talking some New Year's resolutions, some politics, and now we're going to segue into a little bit of a related topic, and that has to do with new laws. Now, let me just start by saying, if you've been following politics, you know that lawsuits and politics have been tied up together for as long as we've been discussing either one of them separately. You just can't talk about one without the other. And this week, the very last week of 2020 was an excellent example of what I mean. I talked about the the short-lived lawsuit against Mike Pence. We've talked about the other short-lived lawsuits against different states and filed by different states. It's like everybody sues everyone. It's not quite that bad, but you'd think it was if you followed politics because the two are tied so closely together. However, we in California also care very deeply about our new laws as well. And some of them, talk about the silver lining, which we always like to have during the second half of our show, some of the new laws we have here are designed to give us what our resolutions are made of, health, wealth, happiness, kindness, everything that we just talked about the first half. And we're going to talk about a few examples of those that are particularly relevant to san diegans because as we clinked our glasses thursday night ringing in the new law ringing in the new year we also rang in new laws however i'm used to to doing segments at the beginning of the year talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of new laws we actually don't have as many this year no doubt because of pandemic restrictions we were not in session lawmaker wise as much as we usually are so we're going to highlight a couple of the big ones even though we actually do have 372 of them so there there are a significant number Um, but some of them do go along the lines of keeping us healthy and one of the ones i want to talk about is ab685 we've spent a lot of time talking about this um, both running up to the new year and since then because this has to do with covid and it has to do with notification in other words you should be able to have both health and wealth you should not have to choose between your life and your livelihood so this particular assembly bill enhances an employer's obligation to report outbreaks of covid among employees not just to the local health authorities but also to the workforce timing matters here they have to do it within one business day this is a law I always like to describe as uh, addressing both signs and symptoms in a different sort of a spin. Where there have been symptoms, there must be signs. There must be signage indicating where have been outbreaks and what employees have to know and what their remedies might potentially be. I mean, how many times did we hear in 2020 of employees returning to the workplace only to find out after the fact they'd been an outbreak? And then whether or not they came down with COVID, they were terrified that not only had they contracted it, but maybe they took it home to loved ones. Maybe they'd lived with somebody who was immunocompromised or over 65. No more in 2021. Now there are very stringent notification requirements. Larry, I know that's something that is near and dear to your heart as well, because you also have family members that you want to make sure you don't transmit it to.
2: Yeah, I do. And it doesn't concern me that much. Truthfully, Wendy, what concerns me more is the closure of the businesses And to me, I don't know if you saw this article. Actually, it was a news story. Uh, Her name is Lindsey Graham, and she's in the state of Oregon, and she operates a beauty shop. She refused from the very beginning to close down her beauty shop. And uh, the governor up there, I think her name is Governor Brown, really threatened her and sent out the uh, child protective people to see if she was a good mother to her children, threatening from all different perspectives. Well, she's still maintaining her shop is open and she's going through the safety procedures and not one case of covid has showed up at her door so i'm kind of again i'm more concerned about and isn't it sad wendy that we have to um this has been so politicized wouldn't it be wonderful if both sides would say we want to get to the root of this cause you know the curing this disease. And we're not going to even bring politics anywhere close to it, because so many people, I think conservatives like me, don't trust the data. So much of it is being inflated, I think, for social purposes or political purposes. And it's so worrisome. I just want to get this disease behind us and move on and make our country great.
1: Well, you know, one interesting trend along those lines is uh, the argument you just made has actually been one that's been litigated in several different cases across the nation as As small businesses make that exact same claim that you just outlined, not a single case of COVID has ever been tied to our business. We have poured all of our life savings into COVID proofing our space, whether we're a salon or a restaurant or a bar or a gym or a church, whatever we do, we've made sure that nobody's gonna catch it here. So then why can't we open? Uh, And we've also noticed in the last couple of days, no doubt our listeners have seen or heard all of the Walmarts, just as an example, that have had to close their doors because there have been COVID outbreaks. So you haven't heard the type of uh, of really looking at tying the data to the results. So I used to call it data-driven dining. I wanted to be able to eat at places that have never had a COVID case we should have data-driven business operations and that has been what some of the courts are actually looking at so there's light at the end of the tunnel i hate to say you know as soon as everybody's out and vaccinated or herd immunity whatever comes first then we're probably going to get some of these court rulings. But we'll be in good shape 100 years from now for the next pandemic, right? Because they seem to be one every 100 years. Right. Okay.
2: I I think so. And just really quickly, what I worry about, I've heard some people talking about this, like these lockdowns are working so well. If you want to control a group of people, this could morph into environmentalism where, you know, we don't have any carbon emissions now because everybody's been staying at home. Let's keep (laughs) the people locked up. I'm serious. Look for it on the horizon. I, I, I fear well, for that. you know,
1: you know, where else it might lead along those lines, as you've been hearing about the vaccination passport, the vaccine yes. passport that you might need to travel. Yes. And, you know, as lawyers, uh, Larry and I hate slippery slopes. So we worry that if we then become required to show proof of vaccination, then what else are we going to have to show proof of? What does that entail? Is it going to be a card that we swipe that has all of our personal information. Many people are concerned about this. Nobody wants to give up that many civil liberties when we might be able to do it more safely. So it's all a balance, Larry. And I know we talk about that a lot. But that has to be on the minds of many of these airlines, many hotels, businesses who are actually talking out loud about the fact that this might become a reality.
2: Oh, absolutely. It might. And uh, yeah, there's a couple other interesting laws too. What was some of those others you had? Well,
1: one of the ones that uh, that you and I both have kept a close eye on is AB 979. That's the law that talks about inclusion and diversity on boards. Yes. Now this continues the trajectory that we discussed several years ago, where if you had a board of a certain size, you had to have at least one woman on the board by the end of 2019. Now that actually that law has been expanded and by the end of 2021, not only do you need a minimum of one woman, you may need more depending on the size of your board, but you also will need one member of an underrepresented community. That is anybody that self identifies as black, African-American, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, Pacific Islander, Native American, Native Hawaiian, Alaska Native, or who self-identifies as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. This is a trajectory I would, would probably believe is going to continue, and it is one of the most talked about laws of 2021
2: right now wendy i'm pennsylvania dutch allegedly so does that count is that a minority i
1: don't see it on the list larry i don't see it on the list i'm romanian and i don't see mine (laughs) mine on the list either but but you raise a good question because uh, i did notice that conspicuously it talks about individuals who self-identify as being a member of one of these categories
2: Now, how about the fines on that, though? $100,000 for the first violation and $300,000 for a second or subsequent violations. We call that
1: teeth. We call that teeth, Larry. This is a law with teeth. And that was one of the first things that jumped off the page at me is that unlike many other laws that are almost couched as suggestions, although we know they're not, not, no laws are aspirational. We're supposed to follow them. But this law actually has the stiffest penalties I've seen in a long time. What do you think?
2: Totally. I think it's too much. I mean, if you're an Apple computer or Facebook, that would be nothing. But if you're a smaller business, that would be devastating financially. But and here's another worrisome thing, too, about some of those categories in the area of sexual preference. I worry about the churches. Like if you have a big church, that could go against church doctrine or even some of the mosques for a Muslim uh, friends, it could go against them. So what will happen in that thing where you actually, those kind of uh, decisions that will have to be made, it's going to be interesting.
1: Well, it is interesting. And it reminds me of the the civil religious liberty arguments that we had when it comes to what types of restrictions, if any, uh, that Christian owned businesses can put on who they serve. And remember that the Supreme Court weighed in on those. And they they seem to really sort of have a look at, well, what kind of business are you and what are you being asked to do? In other words, selling a product nobody had a problem with, but uh, participating in a celebration that they didn't agree with, like baking the cake, that right. famous example. Those were, those were sort of along the lines of what they were looking at. But you bring up a very good point and that that might be similar or at least analogous and uh, to some extent as to what people are looking at here.
2: Yeah, uh, Wendy, how about the AB 2992? What about that? The victim's rights?
1: Well, I'll tell you, as a a career prosecutor, this one is near and dear to my heart. Basically, it says that if you are a crime victim, you shouldn't be worried about your employer discriminating against you. And this is a law that actually expands the rights of stalking or domestic abuse victims from punitive employer actions for, listen to the language, unscheduled work absences as you seek medical care, psychological care meet with victim advocates, whatever you need to do. This is highly significant, Larry, because first of all, you can't plan to be a victim of a crime, nobody would plan that. And secondly, long gone are the days where we thought we could identify a domestic abuse victim in the workplace because he or she was gonna show up wearing long sleeves in the middle of summer or dark glasses. Stalking leaves no marks. Being threatened, having your life threatened leaves no marks, but the psychological trauma can be debilitating. So this is a very, very important law that we've been having our eye on. So those are three of the ones we wanted to mention because the silver lining to all the new laws this year really is that they are geared to give us a better 2021. Imagine that. So with that happy ending, thank you for joining us. We want to wish you a wonderful, safe weekend. Please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. I'm Wendy Patrick. Have a great week and God bless you.
0: Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy.